Colossians chapter 3, if you have a Bible this morning. I know GR has passed some out, but if you still need one, raise your hand. Colossians 3, we're working our way through the book. If you haven't been here, you can catch up online. Last week, we talked about setting our mind on things above. We said last week in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians, if you don't know, it's in the New Testament, past the Gospels there, into the epistles. But we said in chapter 3, there's a turn in the book where Paul gets a little more practical. The first two chapters are more about doctrine, about who Jesus is. So a quick review would tell us that Paul greeted them, spoke of their reputation in the Lord, of how they loved each other and had faith in Jesus. He had heard this from Epaphras because Paul himself had not met the people in Colossae. He's told them of the mystery of Christ and how Christ lives in us when we believe. He's warned them against false teachers, against legalism, mysticism, of trying to live this life in our own strength through self-denial. That's not the way to holiness. But the weight of holiness is to believe, to trust. He's made it very clear that we're reconciled to Christ as we believe. And if we continue in faith and we're grounded in steadfast, and we don't move from the gospel which we've heard, we are holy. We are without fault, even this morning as we were reminded. But as I mentioned, it's getting a little more practical in the first step. In being practical is where we put our mind. And last week we learned the power of the mind. And if the mind is focused on truth, it certainly at times can change even our physical state. And it certainly leads us to proper behavior. So we need to set, meaning do it on purpose. Think of where our thoughts need to be. Now, I gave you a little challenge, and maybe you didn't take it as a challenge, but church is great, but if you're just here to listen, it's not great. You have to apply what you hear from God's word, amen? And sometimes, I know in my life, I don't do that, but I want to encourage you, as you come, don't listen as a lecture. Listen as what God is saying to you, and you can take away, right? This isn't a course you're taking. This is God's word speaking to us. And one of the things he said, if we're supposed to set our mind on things above, we need to make time each day to do that. So my question to you is, how did it go this week? Did you purposefully set time aside for those who are here to think on heaven? And if you're, oh, thank you. Um, some of us forget, and I'm just here to remind you because I need to be reminded to take time each day to put my thoughts where they need to be. And for the days I did do it this week, I will tell you there was much more joy. There was much more peace in my life. But as we carry on here in chapter 3, looking how to apply this to our lives, we'll begin in verse 5. So now our mind's in the right place. He says in verse 5, therefore, 
wherever you see therefore, I go back, because of verses 1 through 4 in chapters 1 and 2, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Another list. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, you put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge, again our mind, according to the image of him who created him, which there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12, therefore, again, as the elect of God or chosen, holy, that's who you are, and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And we'll stop at verse 14 today. If you've read the epistles, you will know very clearly that this is a pattern that Paul uses. He'll state who you are, and then he takes the rest of the letter to say, here's what it should look like. And he makes that very clear. And I think in my life, at the beginning of my life of teaching God's word, I loved probably to teach chapter 3 and 4 more than 1 and 2. It just seemed easier. Don't lie. Don't steal, right? Don't commit adultery. That's easy. I can come down on you and I can say those things. But the older I get, I'm actually more in love with chapter 1 and 2 than I am with chapter 3 and 4. Because I've learned as I exhort you, it might last for a moment as you leave this place, but in one week or two weeks, what I hear is the same struggles again and again and again. Not just for you, for me. I could hear a great sermon. Don't have filthy language. Forgive. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then that lasts for about a week and someone wrongs me and I'm like, Whoo! I get angry, right? That's not what the Lord would have for us. And that's why the foundation is so, so important, but we need to know as well in the foundation what good and bad behavior is. So that now I'm in love in teaching chapter 1 or 2. I can't avoid teaching 3 and 4. And it's really important for all of us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16 have a little section there. But there's a very famous verse where Peter would say, quoting the book of Leviticus, be holy because I am holy. And I want to tell you that there is not an option knowing you're holy 
your behavior should be holy. There is no justification or excuse for sin. There is a lot of modern teaching that will throw this out the window, but if you're coming here, we want you to know if you believe in Jesus Christ, your life should change. Amen? I don't specifically want to go through this list and rail on every little thing, but you would know it well. Fornication is any sexual sin outside of marriage. And you have to understand in their culture, prostitution was rampant. It was acceptable. It was okay. Any affair, any sexuality that's not from the Lord. And the next one that says uncleanness or being impure. Anything pornographic. Any trash novel. Anything that directs us outside of the holiness and the purity that God has intended for our sexuality is not acceptable. Amen. Our culture is shifting and changing. And there is much more becoming acceptable than God's word says is acceptable. And what happens is we become desensitized to this truth. And even as believers, we take sin a little lighter and a little lighter. But can I encourage you, none of it is acceptable if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It is not, never, okay to do something that's impure. It is not okay in any way to participate in any sexual activity outside of marriage. Period. That's what he's saying. That's fornication. Uncleanness, our purity. And months and months ago, Amy and I presented how sexuality has so much lies around it. And because we believe lies, our behavior as men and women, because we're different, we believe different lies. We really justify things that we never should. It's not right. And unfortunately, even this desensitized thinking has entered to the church, where we are taking things way too lightly. In other parts of Scripture, it would say, run, flee, get away. God loves us. Amen? And he knows what's going to hurt us. And what you think might be pleasurable in the moment or what you might think is something that medicates you to help you is only going to hurt you. And because God loves you so much, what he is saying to you is, I don't want you to be hurt. You're my child. And this will hurt less. Amen? He continues on with covetousness which is idolatry, you might think, well, I don't take part in idolatry. I don't worship idols. But if you're coveting something that someone else has that you don't have, you're committing idolatry. As I see that car pass by and say, oh, I'd look good in that car. I want that car. I'm not happy with my car. I'm not happy with my house. I'm not happy with my clothes. I'm not happy with what I have and I want that, that's idolatry because you're desiring something and putting it above what you have been given. 
I've heard story of missionaries who've come from third world countries. They come off the plane and they sense a spirit of materialism and covetousness in our country. And as we become desensitized to sexuality, we certainly become desensitized to materialism and covetousness. And we can catch ourselves. And that's why debt reigns rampant in our country. I don't have it. I want it. Well, here's a card. Go get it. And you don't have to pay now. You can just go get it. That's not what God wants for us. And I'm not coming down on you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to say, here's God's protection for you. He doesn't want you to participate in this. Because really, that's an unthankful heart for what the Lord has given you. And I'm just as guilty as anyone else in this room. But God wants better for us. And this is all our old life. This is how the world lives. Do you know that? This is why commercials are on TV, that you can have this car. They put, like, sexuality and materialism with a pretty woman next to a nice car. And you can have this pretty woman if you drive this car. And you can feel 10 years younger than you really are. And you deserve it, too. Oh, yes, our world lies to us continually and constantly. It's okay to go in debt. It's okay to desire something that's not yours. It's okay to practice sin in regards to sexuality. That's what the world tells us because our old self was a part of the world, so the lies of the world are still in the world and they still attack us. Correctamundo? That's right. I'm not fibbing to you, am I? So you, as it says, have to renew yourself in knowledge of who Christ is, his image, and that Christ lives in you, and you are his image. You bear his image, right? You shine his image. And so the old is gone, the old way of thinking. All of that has to be put over here. But you are new, and the new looks and behaves like this. So we need to remind ourselves, because we're in this constant battle. I talked to Caleb today, or excuse me, this week, and he was saying, Dad, how do I teach people that they're holy but still live in a fallen world? Woo, baby. <laughs> you work on that, son, and when you figure it out, you tell me, and I'll, and I'll use it on this group. We know, though, Corinthians says we're being changed glory to glory, becoming more like Christ. But it's a journey of knowing who we are, but then our behavior follows to the position we have. But it's this, not all at once, oh, I'll never do that again. It's a journey of being changed into God's glory day by day as we renew ourselves in the truth of who we are. So these things are specifically mentioned. And not just those, he adds on the list. Isn't that enough, Paul? Well, no, he continues, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, don't lie to one another. Whew, it just continues. By the way, I'll remind you that there is righteous anger. Not all anger is bad, but Ephesians would tell us that don't let your anger go down with the sun because what it does is create bitterness and a foothold for the devil and what I'm learning in my life and in my counseling is most people struggle with unforgiveness that's 
gone into anger and bitterness, and it's destroying their lives. They're holding on to anger. And that leads, as a progression, as we see this anger that's not righteous dealt with becomes rage, and it's uncontrolled, and there's wrath and malicious behavior in hurting people because we don't see them as Christ sees them. We become angry, and we don't forgive, and we don't deal with it, and it just becomes this nuclear bomb. I heard a pastor say that once. You think, oh, I'm not a thing. You sweep it under the rug, right? Like, oh, time will just heal that. Time does not heal. Only forgiveness heals. Oh, I'm okay. It's been two years, three years. And then you see that person, and like there's a knot in your stomach. Like, every time you see them, you're like, I can't believe it. And you start again. And I think some of us who have been hurt know what that feels like. And it grows. There's kind of a thing in my house. I'm trying slowly to correct, but. And I asked Nathaniel to do the dish. I'm not happy, Dad. Actually, I'm very angry. And he says it like in that, like, I'm angry. What's wrong with you? Kind of joking around. I'm like, well, too bad. I don't care if you're angry with me. You're going to do the dish. Now, obviously, he's joking around with the words. And he's laughing while he says it. But a lot of us live like that. I'm not happy right now. I'm angry. And I don't want to deal with it. And I think it's okay to hold that. And I want to tell you that Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, says, no. And it's funny with Nathaniel, and he jokes around saying he's angry. And I'm like, boy, I know you're not angry because I've seen angry people. Have you ever seen a wrathful person? I'm telling you, it's very intimidating. People are usually very controlled, but sometimes they're not controlled and wrath happens, especially when they're driving in New Jersey. That's just an example. I've had people get out of the car after they've given me the finger and want to fight me on the street. And Nathaniel tells me he's angry. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) That's wrath. Like, he wanted to knock me out. And when you see people like that, it's so ugly. It's so destructive. It's so not what we are. Amen? You're not called to be wrathful or angry or malicious. You're not called to hurt people. You're not called to slander people. And sometimes, you know what? We're really sneaky at doing that in a godly way. Oh, let me pray for uh, Jackie. Did you hear about Jackie? Jackie's involved in this and doing that. We need to pray for her. And did you hear what Jackie did to me? Oh, we need to pray for Jackie. And did you hear what Jackie did to so-and-so? Or, you know, Lewis... um, did you hear about Lewis? Let's pray for Lewis. We're slandering them, looking like a pious Christian. No, that's not what we're called to do. And so often we justify some of these sins in silly theological ways where God says, this is not 
who you are. Now, I think all of you might know that. Filthy language is another one. Our words need to be filled with grace. It's so important in our world that we would have grace and salt and kindness in our words. Sometimes it's not easy. This isn't a new concept of changing our behavior, knowing who we are. It's all through the Bible. Romans 13 says the same thing. The old is gone, the new is here. Clothe yourselves with who you are in Jesus Christ. I love it, though, because then he goes off from the old and goes to the new. It's not like, don't do this, don't do this. He's almost saying, this is not who you are. Renew yourself in this knowledge. Be an image bearer of God. Look at Jesus. Become like him. We're all alike. No one's different. We're all, all in all in the Lord. But now, as chosen, elect, holy, that's who you are. As beloved, as being loved by God, that's what he's saying, put on betterness, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ, be like Christ, forgive them, so you also must do. I love it in one of the versions. I don't know if it's the NIV. I've been reading a lot of different versions or amplified. But it says, make room for others' mistakes. Don't you love that? Make room. Because some of us have so high expectations of people, the moment they blow it, we're ready to slap their hand. We're ready to send them to the principal. And if they do something against us and they... They can't match our expectations. Not that we would ever sin. Only they sin, right? Not that we would ever fail or need forgiveness. And I've had many people say, I just can't forgive. Like, you don't know, Pastor Dan. You've never been in this situation. You haven't faced what I faced. You, you just quote in the Bible. I say, no, I don't know, but Jesus knows. Because Jesus had to forgive exactly what you feel. And that's why the scripture says, don't forgive like Pastor Dan. No. It says, forgive like Jesus forgave. And do you know that Jesus forgave even before anyone asked? He forgave you before you asked. Now, whether you receive and claim that, that's up to you. That's, that's how you get your salvation. But when he died on the cross, he took your sin and forgave you and offers you his forgiveness. And whether you take it or not, but you have to live like him with others to forgive them, even if you can't ask. Why? Not for them, for you. For you. That you can be free. And you need to put on these things of humility and patience and being tenderhearted and having mercy. This is Jesus. This is who we are. We are new in him. We are free. Now, I don't think I've told any, anything new to anyone today. I might have reminded you, and that's great, right? Okay, Pastor Dan, great. Supposed to be holy. I'm reminded. You tell us every week. Can God, in my life, in the body's life, why do we keep doing this stuff? Why do we know we're supposed to forgive and go, go, go? 
Why do we know this? And it's not just like, okay, go do it, and it's that easy. You know what I mean? If you got a potty mouth, I'm never going to swear again. Whoo, you're doing good for a day and then bleep, right? And I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to tell you in my life, yes, I know, but why do I struggle with knowing who I am and growing First thing I just want to mention, Satan isn't going to attack you front on. He's going to attack you with lies. And if our world is full of deception that is spread by him, it slowly attacks us. I think words like obedience and submission, forgiveness and purity are almost swear words in our culture. There is a modern-day intellectual thinking that says, submission, what? That's old school. Get with the time. Obedience, even, as he's going to go through the list later, children to parents, that's not how you parent anymore. You have to listen to your child, right? You might hurt their feelings. And I'm not saying we're angry parents. I'm saying the theology of the world, the lies of the world, can sneak into our thinking with some of these very difficult words. Or even the world forgiveness can be almost like, well, you can't forgive unless they show you that they've changed. Yes, that's what we hear. And that's what sometimes can sneak into our thinking. And purity, it's like that's damaging for you. That's what the world thinks. I've had people come back from the doctor and tell me, you're a virgin? That's why you're depressed. That's what a doctor says to people. You are considered stupid to submit, to obey, to forgive, and to be pure. Even in our modern day, sometimes Christian thinking, these things are being attacked and as you look at this, at the way to think, he's going to talk about these things, purity and submission and obedience and true love as you continue on in the chapter. This is Christ. What would the psychologist say to Jesus? You're going to sacrifice yourself for them? What did they do for you? Right? Jesus, you make no sense. It's because the thinking of the world and the thinking of Christ are at enmity, they're enemies to one another. But the problem is, back to Caleb, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. That's the challenge, and it's real in our lives. That's why he says, renew, 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 not back to last week and things above. Oh my, let's say it again this week. You have to renew in the truth of who you are and not what the world says you should do or be. Be careful. You're sneaking into the church. I hear it. And I'm sad. I also want to tell you this morning. Maybe this is the meat of the message in the last five minutes. This is the reality. I had a vision many years ago, praying for a friend who was stuck living in the old, though he was young. 
it was so real to me because I loved this individual with all my heart. I saw him wrapped up in a snake. It was a big, thick snake, and all I could see was his head. And I so desperately wanted to free him. It was all the way around him and held him so he couldn't escape. And that snake could put pressure on when he wanted to, and it caused dramatic pain to the human heart. And I prayed for him so much. And I thought, I'm going to get my sword out and cut up that snake. I'm going to cut up that snake. I'm going to go attack that snake. And every time I got ready to attack it, I had no chance. It reared its head. I had to back up. And to be honest, my sword in my hand was ineffective for him in the toil of the snake. But what happened, as I kept praying and seeing this vision, maybe you don't believe in visions, but I know it was real to me. That snake fell asleep. Then I kind of snuck up, maybe picture it yourself. Though that person desperately wanted to help him, look back at your life. Who do you want to help? Do you want to help this person? Come out of hiding. Come into the light. Because someday, this person will. point was it was too comfortable for him. There was a sense that there was a little bit of medication to the pain he felt in the midst of that darkness. But the problem is the snake would always wait outside. And when he really wanted to leave, he couldn't. But yet when the snake fell asleep, when I begged him to come, there was a sense it was too comfortable, almost he didn't know the freedom that awaited because he was too comfortable with the darkness he was in. And I think in a lot of ways, this is our story. You see, it's not sin on itself. It's there's something wrong within us that causes us to sin. There's an emptiness. There's difficulty. There's problems. There's offense. And we medicate with these sins, whatever they are. You could add them in, whether it's sexuality or trying to control things. And we control things by what we say about people and the fruit of our lives. And only you know the fruit of your life. But don't look the fruit of your life when things are going well. Look the fruit of your life when it's going bad. When things aren't going your way. How do you respond then? Do you respond with anger and rage? The reality is that's just a symptom of a greater problem. And the problem is too comfortable with the old. And by faith, God is saying, come out. He's looking at you today. But it requires faith and trust in what he's done and what he's saying and who you are. He's not angry at you today. 
He's saying to you, come out. You don't have to live in that sexual sin. I have freedom for you. You don't have to get angry when things don't go your way. Come out. He's not here this morning angry. He loves you. You're his children. You're new. And he's smiling at you saying, come out. You don't have to live in the darkness, in the pain of bitterness or anger. He says, come out. I look good, right? Yeah. Because it's pleasurable for a season. That's why I brought this whole sweater. Don't you like it? Is anyone wondering why I'm wearing this sweater? Other than it looks cool to me? Bob Cameron gave me this sweater a long time ago. Bob and I have been friends. You probably got tired of wearing or seeing me wear the same thing, so he got me a new sweater. Oh, I love this sweater. Not only did I wear it that day, I think I wore it to bed a few nights. I just thought it looked great. It's so comfortable. Ah, truth be told, a couple years ago, my kids looked at me and said, Dad, your sweater is ugly. Your sweater has holes in it. One big fat one. Yeah. I have jeans like this, too, and I like to wear them. Miriam's like, that's strange. It's got a hole in the butt, Dad. Well, I got holes in it. Spraying. It's not even really clean because I worked on the car with it. That's why it's comfortable. Comfortable. I like it. But it's ugly. It's old. It's falling apart. It's not really good for me. But I like it. It's cozy. Come to God's kingdom. Take it all. Because I have a better one. So what he's saying here is, put off, strip off in the church the old, comfortable behavior. Go hang it up, get rid of it. Actually, he says, mortify it, burn it. Put it to death. That's the Greek of what he's saying. Put it to death, put it in the dust. And if you knew on the sweater, I was going to put stickers that said sexual immorality, fornication, lying, and sedition. So you would know. But what you have to do, and some counselors do this, is they say, get an old sweater, put all the things of the old self you're struggling with, put them on, we'll make a fire, and you burn it. Mortify it. Because it's not good for you. Because Jesus would say, put on the new. Yes, thank you. My wife got tired of the old sweater. <laughs> so she bought me a new one from the same store. And you might say, well, that's ugly too, but this is an illustration. <laughs> Put on the new. It's not baggy. There's no holes. Presents the sleek me. The point being this. Both of these are pieces of clothing. One is old, one is torn, one is ugly, one is new. So my kids say, put on your new sweater, Dad. It looks better. They're the same warmth, actually. Even though I thought that one was warmer, this one actually probably is warmer. 
And I'm, what he's telling you is you feel comfortable with how we medicate with the old self, and you tie that into the lies of the world, and it's just so easy. And all of us struggle with that. And if it's not these big things, it's other little things. And God says, no, put it together. I have something way better for you. And if I wanted to ruin my sweater for the illustration, at the end, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, the Greek maturity. Love right here, three across the table. Because agape covers all of these things that we talked about. What's not agape is the negative, the old, the immorality, the lying, the unforgiveness, the slander. That's not agape. Agape is forgiveness, not keeping record of wrongs, humility, lifting people up. That's Jesus. So we put on Jesus. But here's the thing. I don't know if you used to watch Mr. Rogers. Every day he'd come home on the show years ago, and he'd go right to the closet. And he changed. Took off the jacket, put on the sweater. The only point is every day you need to change in your head by faith and trust. Putting in the closet, mortifying the old, and putting on the new. You have to make it a practice every single day. This is who I am. I'm new. I'm humble. I'm kind. I'm forgiving. And I have agape. And as faith, not effort, takes over your life and your behavior flow through you, that we can say, whoo, there's the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're abiding in truth, you're sucking that truth, and it becomes a part of your life. Faith. Application. I have no problem saying this this morning because it's time for my life. trying to rescue you with the sword. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are wrapped up in the sword. You're not forgiving. You're angry. You're in a rage internally. You've got a filthy mouth. Not when everyone's looking, when they're not looking. Now I'm trying to cut that snake up with you. Because I have news for you. You have to choose to believe what God has All the lies will come up. No, no. And all the fear will come up. Because it's wanting to stay in the dark. And fear causes us to control. And to get angry. And to do what we want. Because we're not believing what God has said. Believe it. He loves you. 
I pray right, right now, you would speak to hearts. I believe this morning that your power is in this place to free people from the chains and the snakes of the lies that have led us. There's power in this place because we gather in truth and you can be free from truth. No one can save you. Only Jesus, when you believe in who you are, can rid you of that sin that is destroying away from the old and put on the new. Step out in faith. Be what you are. Holy. Holy. Today, submit to Him as your Savior. Walk Man, that you put to death all our junk. You're not mad at us. You dealt with us. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to celebrate that. And I just want to continue in this, this spirit of examination and then laying it at the cross and knowing who you are. So as you get the elements today, Maybe you need to confess something to someone. There'll be people in the back. You have neighbors. Maybe there's someone in this room that you trust. But don't go away if the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder. Let go of your pride. Confess it. Be free. Bring it into light. Be reminded that you are new in Jesus Christ. Know today you are forgiven. crazy example, and I know one you won't understand, but if you're feeling conviction, I don't want you to come to me. I'm just a part of the body. Don't come tell me. Bring someone else. And I know there's people in this room who need to confess and get on the right track. Not because I know anything. I just know there's about 100 people in here. 
there's somebody caught. That's just the odds. But I don't want you to come to me. I want you to find someone in the body, maybe a family member, maybe your husband or wife. Pray for me. I want to be free. This is application. Don't leave this place knowing the truth, not applying it. Apply it. Enjoy your forgiveness. Come out into the light. Amen. The elements are in the back. As you examine.